It is arguably one of the most popular sports in the world, also in South Africa, but there is not a single dedicated podcast to hockey. That's all changed right now. Welcome to Hockey 24-7, brought to you by Raider Media, the first of its kind in the country, where we'll be talking everything to do with the sport in relation to South Africa and possibly beyond. Hosting the show with me as always, and he'll be the main man in charge because when it comes to the sport, there is nothing that Tyron Jabu Barnard does not know. And he's sitting here right with me. Tyron, welcome to the show. It's uh, gonna be an exciting journey. Yeah, Derek, uh, thanks to you and Raider Media for setting this up. Uh, We're really excited. I think there are some great personalities, some great stories in South African hockey that haven't been told. And we want to tell them, and, and we've got such an exciting lineup for the, the next couple of weeks already lined up. Uh, I can't wait to, to just chat hockey with some special hockey people. Yeah, you summed it up so well there, because we certainly do want to tell the stories. And, I mean, it's amazing. People say that they don't get to see enough hockey anywhere, really. And that's true, but if you talk to anyone, they know their hockey. I mean, back from the Olympic days, right at the beginning, when we came back since readmission, They've been hockey followers, whether it be indoor, outdoor, the works. I mean, you can bring up names like the Greg Nichols of the world. I mean, he was a household name, as are many players, yet it doesn't get the coverage it deserves. So we're hoping to change that a little bit on the hockey landscape. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think some of the names that we, we will have a chat with, uh, including today's first guest, are names that many people in South Africa would know, and those who don't know should know. So it's going to be great. Okay, well, without further ado, let's get into our very first guest of this very first podcast of Hockey 24-7. Put the listeners out of their misery. Who do we have, Tyron? Yeah, none other than probably, uh, you brought up the name Greg Nickel. I think this man probably rivals him in terms of clinical finishing ability. It is the one and only Lloyd Norris Jones, also known as Chuck, and uh He's just renounced his retirement from international hockey, and we are very, very pleased to have uh, Lloyd with us on the line. Lloyd, how are you doing? Great to have you on board, and uh, great to have you as our very first guest. And uh, yeah, uh, excited for what the future holds. Hi, Derek. Hi, Jabu. Uh, absolute honor to be on, and obviously absolute honor to be your first ever guest. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, it's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I, I think, Chuck, right, right off the bat, we have, to, we have to start with your big news that, uh, uh, you know, uh, that you broke last week. You've decided to call quits on your international career after 140 caps, after three World Cups, after London Olympic Games. I mean, as far as, as, far as where it goes in outdoor hockey, uh, for South Africa, you've pretty much ticked all those boxes. You've scored the goal that qualified us for the London Olympic go- Games. You, you you helped us. Uh, you scored the goal that won us an African Cup final. So, I mean, you've ticked it all, but is there any sense of disappointment as you hang up the, the green and gold gloves? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you, you can always look back on on a career and you can, you can think of where it could have, could have right. And, um, we certainly look as a group at the London Olympics, um, knowing that, you know, there were one or two percentages out there that we probably could have, um, we could have wrapped up, especially in the last five minutes of a game here or there. We, we look back at the, the great Britain game and, uh, if we had managed to got a, to, to get a, 
uh, a W out of that game and maybe a point here or there against uh, one or two of the other big names like uh, Spain and Pakistan. Who knows? We probably were playing for fifth to eighth. But, um, you know, I look back on my career uh, with fondness with the people that I've, uh, I was very fortunate to have played alongside. Um, and, you know, th- there weren't too many disappointments. We, we look at South African hockey um, and we, we don't necessarily see ourselves um, as a top competing nation because we know that they are professional hockey outfits. Um, so we usually go into um, a- any competition with only a, a couple of practices and maybe a couple of games um, beforehand. Uh, and yeah, maybe if you look at it from that point of view, yes, we could have probably caused a few more upsets in my career at least. Lloyd, was it a decision that you had to deliberate long and hard over or, or, or are you happy with your contribution to SA Hockey and uh, what the future holds? Um, I would say it took me a couple of months. Uh, I wanted to play another couple of games, um, but with uh, a few um, uncontrollables um, with regards to getting injured and uh, and some, yeah, uh, how do you say it, some, some clashes of personality with the previous coach. Uh, I just felt that it was, um, to be honest, the right time for me. I, I recently got married um, and I got a contract to play over in Germany for the remainder of my career, as they called it. Um, they basically said to me, come play in Germany until your legs give up. Uh, so looked at the opportunity, looked at the pros and cons, and um, I'm going to be living over there with my wife. Uh, and you know, for me to be able to come back and forth uh, and to commit time to the team, um, I don't think I, w- I would be 100% in it. And I just don't think that it would be um, fair of me to be able to uh, to put my hand up for selection while there are other guys um, going to be putting 100% into their training and into uh, obviously having to pay also to play for for your for your country. And as soon as you get into this next phase of your life, I don't think uh, <laughs> I don't think the fact that the wife would be too happy of me um, spending a couple of grand here and there um, when it comes to euros. Um, to to pay for a flight and to go on tours and yeah it's just quite a big sacrifice uh, when you are living overseas. So it's quite a nice option they gave you, saying just come over here, play for us, and until your legs give up. Uh, do you do you see that uh, those legs having quite a few years left in them still? I mean, uh, you, you haven't felt them giving up yet uh, any 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 rec- any time recent. No, um, I think by the time you get into your thirties, you start running a little bit smarter instead of just running flat out the whole time. Um, I've probably got another two seasons uh, at least in my legs, um, and then it kind of goes to um, to the mind and, and seeing how how long you can actually stick around uh, psychologically. Um, but yeah, I'd say at least another two to three seasons um, that I'd be happy to play. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Chuck, I think also throughout your career, I mean, I, I wrote it in the in the um, in the announcement of your retirement for you, and there was just something about your hockey that uh, when you were on when you were on the field, um, you uh, you just constantly you knew there was a goal threat. Is that something you try to model your game on? I mean, was your game around 
making sure you maximized the few opportunities that you got or was it just more a case of <laughs> right time, right place? Uh, firstly, Jabri, I just wanted to, I've, I've wanted to say this for a long time, but just, yeah, thank you so much for all of your contribution to, to hockey in South Africa over the last, uh, you know, almost decade. Um, I, yeah, just to go to your question, um, I, on the hockey field, I, I, I look to make an, an impact. I look to make a difference. Um, so I modeled my, my game because I knew that my attributes were my, my speed and my skills. Um, my elimination skill, especially. I'm not the best sort of passer of the ball, um, but when it comes to receiving the ball, um, I know that uh, I have um, these attributes and I know that I can use them uh, in order to eliminate. And um, I did a lot of, uh, of video analysis work on my opposition and I knew which sort of side I wanted to be um, stationed on. So I always used to find uh, <laughs> the slowest defender uh, and try to stick around him, which made it a little bit easier for me. Um, didn't always work out, but especially at international level. Um, but I, I, I worked on those aspects of my my game throughout. So I know that, um, and this is one of the things that a lot of guys don't really know. Um, before the 2012 Olympics, it was a few months before I was um, having a terrible time with my basics. I couldn't. I could hardly trap a ball. I think it was the whole lead up to the Olympics. Uh, and I went back to my basics, just made sure I could receive a ball. Um, I could pass a ball, I can hit a ball and I can score any foot. Uh, and I took it from there. And that's one of the things that I, um, that I focus on every single time I get onto the field. Now is just making sure I can trap a ball wherever the, uh, wherever the ball gets passed to me. Um, and I, I do think that it's something that gets glossed over a lot by um, by players or by coaches. And uh, I'm not saying everyone, but I'm just saying it's just by by getting onto the field, a lot of us just tend to go and see balls at the goal. But um, you know, you, if you can't trap the ball, you can't play. As a friend of mine would say. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's a really. Uh really true point that so many of us forget just about getting the basics right over and over again and i mean you see how many international cricketers go through dips in form uh, where they can't block they can't get yeah. the, you know the the gap between bat and pad uh, down i mean hashimamla recently went through something like that so you know it strikes and, and people forget that and often with the lack of professional culture we have in in hockey in south africa it's up to the players to go work on it themselves because it's not just going to come right by playing more and more games because there aren't any more. So, you know, to hear a player who's been at the highest level do that uh, and have had that difficulty and just worked hard on it, I think it's probably going to be a little bit inspiring to some of some of the youngsters listening. Um, in terms of your, your, your announcement, uh, one of your co-teammates, co Justin Reed Ross, uh, said a really great thing about you. Um, and it is out there, but uh, I just wanted to share it quickly. As Lloyd is one of the most talented and lethal players I've had the opportunity to play with. His passion, ability, and speed are all world-class. We shared some fantastic moments in the green and gold, but the one I'll remember most is the winning goal he scored against Japan to send us to the London Olympics. It had to be his backhand. 
Now, obviously, that that is a goal for me that I've said was a standout. That's in your, your the goal you scored against um, Egypt in the African Cup final. Do those goals rank up as the most memorable in your career? Uh, yes, certainly. There are, there are a few. Um, those are are a couple in the top ten. I'd say. I think that the from a a lifelong dream goal of mine to be able to to go to the Olympic Games and then to be able to contribute contribute like that uh, was really special. Um, there were it was a chain of events that got a, got that ball to me in, inside the circle uh, in Japan, uh, and yeah, the, one of the guys, uh, John T. Robinson. Um, I don't know how he did it, but he, his go go gadget arm uh, extended a few a few more centimeters and just managed to keep the ball in in play, uh, and then. Yeah, managed to trickle the ball off to me, and I had a one-time shot, and yeah, it went through the keeper's legs and and deflected into the side netting, and and the, the umpire actually um, had to duck out of the way because he thought that it was coming at him, and he didn't even give the goal, but uh, I started celebrating. And eventually, yeah, he, he gave it, and I, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I, don't, I can't forget every single. I wouldn't be able to get any of that because uh, it was so special. Um, yeah, that's. The one against Egypt in, in Randburg was also incredibly special just from the point of view that uh, um, we'd been put under so much pressure by Egypt and they were um, they were looking likely at that at, at one stage. Uh, but Matt Geis Brown had come on uh, come on the field, uh, scored a hat trick of of, uh, of drag flicks, um, and the clincher was was after we had uh, sustained quite a bit of pressure from them. Uh, and to score a goal like that, uh, a really nice breakaway goal, um, and connect with, uh, with one of the strikers up front, and to score it in front of a, um, a packed house in, at Randburg was was certainly memorable. Lloyd, the saddest thing for me, you know, talking about career highlights and and memorable moments, and and when I question you about. Uh, did you deliberate on the fact that uh, you were hanging up uh, your your boots for good when it came to the international arena? And you said uh, the toughest was you, your your wife wouldn't have been too chuffed at you having to spend a couple of thousand euro to, to travel. And I mean, no man is equal, and certainly no sport is equal um, in South Africa, and that is especially true when it comes to hockey. And and we all know the financial constraints that the sport has suffered over the last couple of years. I mean, we look. For at uh, 2016 Olympics, for instance, I mean that wouldn't be a financial thing, but I mean it, it has certainly affected hockey in the long run. And do you see that changing for the better in the future and sooner rather than later? Um, Derek, it's to be honest, it's quite a um, we're in quite a bit of a um, position at the moment because I. I I see that that hockey is going to um, kind of start breaking away from us a little bit too much because um, before my time and during the beginning of my time uh, in the green and gold, um, there were certain qualification criteria going to the Olympics and into World Cups, um, and it made it a little bit easier for us to to qualify uh, just through Africa. Um, now they're they're changing it. They've now just uh, started up a something called uh, the FIH, FIH Pro League, Hockey Pro League. And uh, these teams are 
becoming more professional outfits as as we see it um, year by year, and um, more more so there are teams like France and Ireland um, and even Japan coming up now in, in ladies uh, New Zealand. They are all becoming more professional outfits, and I think this is where we are going to be um, falling down. Uh, I. I see that, yeah, I mean, I, as a national player, when I first started playing, um, I didn't have to pay for a single thing. And that was largely due to the fact that uh, there was a lot of lot of funding um, each year. But I felt that more towards the end of my career that there were, could have been a, um, there certainly could have been more hockey that was on TV, um, which certainly would have helped our, our cause. Uh, more hockey just means that that sponsors see um, that their brand could potentially be on uh, the TV a lot more often, and that's what this pro league is going to do as well. It's just going to try commercialise the sport. Uh, and if we are not playing in that pro league, uh, then I, you know, I, I feel like that we will get left behind. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that that probably stems me to to the next question: is leaving us behind in that sense and. And I very much feel the same way as you that uh, being left out of the pro league, not just South Africa, but the African continent is not partaking in it. It's it's not good for the African development of the game. But what has been good for the African development of the game is fives. As we saw from the recent uh, Youth Olympic Games, uh, teams like Namibia, Zambia, Zimbabwe, all uh, causing some upsets. Uh, Namibia shocking Australia. South Africa playing incredibly well. And uh, as far as South Africa and hockey files go, <clears throat> you are the, the man, essentially, that was tasked with uh, or, or took on the, the challenge of bringing it into the country. Uh, for the benefit of the listeners, can you just first share a little bit about what hockey files is and then secondly, w- what's the plan? So, yes, um, having seen uh, the... Hockey Fives at Junior at, at the Youth Olympics in 2014, I saw the opportunity um, to to try get um, this format into South Africa and uh, and to get it played um, across the country. Uh, we see Fives as the next or, or, or a similar sort of um, format to Rugby Sevens or T20 Cricket or Fives Football. Um, and it, it just for us, it creates uh, more inclusivity uh, in a game of hockey, really, uh, and it's a better uh, spectator sport, or uh, or spectator. It's, it's better for the viewers uh, and spectators to be able to watch a game because it just doesn't have as many rules um, around the game. Um, in your eleven aside game, uh, why it creates inclusivity is that uh, you've got four outfield players and a goalkeeper. And at any one time, you're always engaged in the game. And if you're playing a game of 20 minutes or 25 minutes uh, for a, a hockey fives game, um, you are rotating subs quite a bit, uh, almost on, on the minute, every minute. And um, you get a good run around. Uh, you're touching the ball more often in uh, 20 minutes than you are in 60-minute game. Uh, and then from a, a viewership point of view, uh, people watching from the sidelines can 
understand the game a little bit better because there are no short corners, um, which has a, a lot to be desired when it comes to um, someone coming off the street and being able to just understand what the game of hockey is. And so we're trying to get more and more people playing, not as a winter sport, um, but more as a, um, as a summer sport and in addition to the hockey 11-a-side game. If, if I'm not mistaken, isn't uh, the Hockey India League also employing five-a-side from 2019? They are. Well, uh, um, so they say. Yeah. Uh, I don't actually know. Yeah. Um, the last time I checked online, it did say that uh, um, at the end of this year, you know, FIH are giving them a block, I think, in November, December time. Uh, for them to be able to to run a men's fives uh, franchise uh, tournament, um, similar to uh, the IPL, and the same for the women's. Uh, and apparently, there's also going to be a mixed one, uh, a mixed trophy, which I don't really know how they're going to get right. But at the same time, it just promotes inclusivity. Uh, and because hockey is a 50-50 um, uh, gender base or gender sport, it's... Um, yeah, it would just be quite a, um, a spectacle for for viewers. Yeah, Lloyd, and and I think uh, we've we've brought up the um, the Hockey India League. You were one of the few South Africans that played in the the previous form of the Hockey India League. You were a star striker for uh, Delhi Wave Riders. Obviously, I'll never forget the first year where where your dominant team ran all the way to the final. Um, before letting all the other South Africans win. Very kind of you. Um, yeah. What was the Hockey India League experience like? Uh, to be honest, it was the first time I actually felt like I was a professional sportsman. Um, it was because we, you know, because we don't get those sort of opportunities, um, you're traveling around uh, India for seven weeks, training, training, uh, on odd days and playing games on the even days. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just an experience of note. I mean, once you're there, you've got, we were playing in the, in the national stadium in Delhi and we had uh, a couple of our games. We had about 13 or 14,000 people coming down to watch. Uh, and um, I'd experienced it at the world cup when we playing played against India and also experienced it at the world, at the Commonwealth games. Um, but yeah, it's just, just, a. it was an incredible experience to actually now be a part of a franchise in India and for now for 14,000 people to be actually screaming for you instead of against you. Uh, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. And the three seasons that I had at the, the wave riders, I'll never forget either. Um, just some incredible, um, talents from around the world that you are now playing with, um, guys from, Germany, Netherlands, Australia, New Zealand, and the likes, uh, Spain. And we just had a, a, um, a great group of, of guys in the first year, especially just because there were probably only one or two guys from each country. Um, and that just made us connect a little bit better. Um, we knew that uh, teams that we were playing against had sometimes had seven or eight Australians just in, in the team. And uh, then in that, we, we saw that that actually created a bit of a divide uh, um, in, these, in these other franchises. And, yeah, we, we got to know each other after every game, having a beer uh, with 
the opposition. So now all of a sudden you're having a beer with uh, Mark Knowles or Jamie Dwyer or you know the Dutchies that you could just wrap off names uh, for many of the teams really, and uh, just absolute legends of the game. And yeah, to be able to rub shoulders with them is uh, was truly truly special. It's always one of my favorite trivia questions. Whenever I ask someone, what's the national sport of India? Uh, nine times out of ten, uh, you'll always get cricket as the answer. But uh, of course, hockey is the answer. And, and while cricket is without a doubt a religion in India, I mean, hockey, yeah. a- as as you proved, uh, it is still massively popular. I mean, it, it's their national sport. Lloyd, you, you said you, you managed to rub shoulders and get to know guys from other countries. And you said... Sadly, that for you, it was the first time that you felt like an international sportsman. I, I can guarantee that wasn't the case for the Australians and the Europeans because they're used to a life like this. Was was it interesting getting to chat to them regarding the professional setup that they experienced as opposed to what, what you experienced? I mean, did they commiserate with you somewhat? And, and did they take their hats off to you with, with having to achieve uh, having achieved what you have with so little backing from back home? Yeah, I mean, you don't necessarily talk about it like that because uh, after a game, you're not necessarily wanting to be crying in your beer. You you just want to be able to have a, have a chat with them and and uh, and discuss uh, discuss the game. And and also when you're there, you just it's it's great to just be able to chat to them about about hockey or about life and wherever they might be living. Um, uh, and it's also a great opportunity to network as well. Um, I met a lot of good, good mates over there uh, and I managed to play for Australian clubs and for um, now for my German club I, I got to meet uh, Lawrence Spurster uh, and Nico Jacobi who was my uh, goalkeeper at the Delhi Wave Riders and it was one of the one of the reasons why I managed to get over to uh, to Hamburg Germany just because um, I'd known these guys and I'd have, play, I'd have played alongside or against uh, them in this league yeah, it's absolutely. I, I mean, that first year of hockey in the league uh, was just was just unreal. I mean, I still remember chatting to you. Um, so, so I asked Chuck if we we could meet for a cup of coffee, uh, so we could have a chat about about hockey. I was still working at KPMG in those days, and uh, I was down in Cape Town. And Chuck and I met for a coffee at about ten o'clock in the morning. And about two o'clock in the afternoon, I was like, I better go back to work. Um, and I remember chatting about this and. And I still feel like uh, you're missing a trick. Chuck, you scored six goals in that very first season and you became second in the top goal scorer for uh, Wave Riders and fifth overall. When are you going to start stealing the penalty corners from some of those other oaks? I just don't have the... Um, I just didn't want to take too many goals away from Justin Redross, really. Ah, um, fair yeah, enough, fair enough. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, he's he's very uh, when it comes to when it comes to drag flicking. Um, yeah, if he, if you had to take it away from him, he might. Uh, yeah, he, he might have a go at me um, off the field. But no, he. Um, I I just never actually got into to drag flicking at, at a young age. I um, I I always I was always just training. I was always just working uh, inside the circle. Uh, Alongside mates at Weinberg when I was when I was playing there, uh, and the same as when I was up at Tux. Um, and I mean, I did dabble once or twice when I was when I was in school, and I, I was my 
I was a drag flicker for uh, the under 16B and under 16A sides uh, for province, but yeah, that's kind of where it stopped, and yeah, I just kind of focused more on uh, honing my craft as a striker. I've got to ask. We'll get to Tyrons shortly, a little after we've we've done chatting to you, Lloyd. But uh, the nickname Chuck, where does that stem from? From my first international coach, uh, Paul Revington. Um, because of my surname, starting with Norris, uh, yeah, he just uh, he dubbed me Chuck, and it stuck from there uh, all the way through my international career. And funny uh, because when I went off to uh, Australia, or if I went off to India, um, or even now in Germany, everyone just knows me as Chuck. And I walk through the clubhouse, and people only know me as Chuck. They don't even know my name is Lloyd. So, um, yeah, it's it's stuck, and I actually quite enjoy it. I've I've uh, assumed the role, as you would say. <laughs> yeah, listen, I've watched you play, and there's there's elements of Chuck Norris in. Uh, uh, <laughs> if you're on the field, it's I'm sure. I'm sure yeah, there is a happy country I, I, in I, Egypt that you've retired. I uh, I, w- I walk the line sometimes. I, I walk the tightrope. <laughs> well, walk the line. We might change your name to Johnny Cash next. Um, you know, you you, you spoke about uh, no, nobody wants to cry into to their beer. I mean, Derek was doing it a lot this weekend because he's a Lions, Sharks, and Kings fan. <laughs> Um, but would you, would you say, uh, is there any one moment of your career that, uh, that almost made you feel like you wanted to cry into your beer a bit? Um, yeah, I think that, uh, kind of knowing that we had put all the effort in, um, to go to, to qualify for the Olympics in 2016, um, was uh, that was certainly one I, I knew that the guys had put in a lot of efforts uh, off the field as well um and in that 2015 year it was uh, to qualify uh, yeah i was in t- some of the best form of my life and obviously would have loved to have been on the international olympic stage um and to be able to do it again yeah and uh yeah i think that when you had when you had tournaments and uh, you have opportunities to to beat really big teams or to draw against them, and and you fall a little bit short. You, that's when you're at your most uh, frustrated because uh, you, you know it's that one one or two extra percent that really could have uh, that pushed you over the line. And if we had played one or two extra games beforehand, we could have uh, we could have actually pulled off an upset. No, absolutely, and I think it's a decision that ultimately South African hockey fans will feel reverberated for many years to come, I think. I think it's uh, an unfortunate one. But uh, let's, rather end, let's rather end the chat on a bit more of a positive note. You're at Hamburg now. As you said, Morris Foot's an absolute legend, but he's retired now. Uh, yeah. Are you planning on filling those boots this season? Uh, no, that's why we brought in Red Halkett uh, to fill in his boots. Um <laughs> Uh, he moved over from Mannheim to come to to play for our team, um, but yeah, I mean they they had lost a, a guy called Florian Fuchs, who um, is very difficult to fill his boots, um, just because they are, are I think size fourteens. Um, but they um, they need an extra striker, and uh, I I had said to to Debs that it was 
uh, opportunity that I couldn't really um, pass up. Um, playing for this uh, for a club like this with such rich uh, European history, having won the EHL three times. Um, and to be honest, it's just an opportunity really to 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 go over to another country to to live uh, in a European city, um, to work, to to be able to travel while I'm there, um, and to, to ju- yeah, just be able to uh, to finish off the career. Um, still playing as a professional, pretty much as a professional. Let's call it a semi-professional um, uh, at a semi-professional club. So yeah, I'm, I am looking forward to it, and uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be difficult once I actually completely retire from from hockey. I, I've done it in stages now. I'll never forget, uh, Tyron, watching the, the 2012 Olympics uh, when uh, we competed in London and uh, watching the, the men's rowing team of Susan Glover, John Smith, Matthew Britton and James Thompson when they, they captured gold for South Africa against all odds. And during the, the, the podium finish, when they went up to collect their medals, the commentator was speaking about uh, their careers and he spoke about one James Thompson uh, being a model by profession. Now, I thought, oh, that's a pretty odd uh, career to have. If you <laughs> and it turned out that his coach had actually filled it in as a joke uh, because they had to do the <laughs> player profiles and he sent that in. And, and if I Google your name, anything that comes up in Germany with regards to you comes up with model next to it. Um, are you are you moonlighting a, a, as that as well over in Germany? Uh, they don't really accept 30-plus-year-old models there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but is, is that the because I promise you if you look on any website in Germany put in your name put in modeling and, and, and up pops up uh, these German websites yeah so what had happened is um, I think it was in 2011 uh, I um, oh gosh I don't know why I did it but uh, uh, there were a couple of us that um, put up our hands to go in like the heat magazine um, and then a couple of, and then a friend of mine said, Hey, um, cosmopolitan are putting together a, um, a calendar and they're looking for, um, they're looking for a hockey player. Uh, would you like to get involved? So at first I thought it was a prank. Um, and eventually it, it actually seemed pretty legit because of the emails were coming from someone at cosmopolitan.co.za so I was like okay maybe this is actually a little more legit uh, not just one of my teammates trying to um, you know, pull the, the wool over my eyes um, and yeah I was in the calendar uh, for the year and then um, because of that I went over to Germany and, and in my first season I had a, an interview with one of the guys and um, and uh it's, everything seemed fine up until a, a certain point, uh, until he had actually pretty much finished his, his interview. And then the last question uh, he asked was, oh, yeah, you're a model. Um, like, what are you, you going to be doing any sort of work here? And I said, geez, I, I'm, I've never been a model in my life before. Um, I, I've just done this once. I did it as, like, almost because uh, a friend had asked me to do it. Um, and the next thing you know, he he goes and puts the headline as model, uh, like UFC uh, bringing in a hockey model, or I can't even remember what he actually said. I was so Ein, serious. But Ein model for den UHC. Don't know what the a model like. for UHC. 
Amazing, amazing. Yeah, what a chop. I mean, I can't believe it. <laughs> so that, that's very similar yeah, to the James Thompson story, yeah, actually. Beautiful. I mean, not the It's funny because that's... James Thompson was actually my um, my housemate back at Tux when we were when we had Basti there, and uh, yeah, he he certainly didn't have uh, he, he he wasn't the model type um, with his uh, with his tanned arms and uh, or his. Oh, How do you say it? He's got his like a uh, the tan that you'd get them if you're like the cyclist shorts and cyclist shirts are uh, tan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he um, yeah, he, he, classic guy. Also, um, just uh, really stoked when we were actually at the, the 2012 Olympics and that happened because uh, having shared uh, two years in the same house with them, yeah, it's just uh, a special. Um, memory and time to, to see him actually um, to get that gold because um, every time we had gone into the HPC they were on the ergos um, absolutely crushing it um, and yeah he's an absolute legend of a guy and I, yeah, I, I look back fondly at that memories like that as well yeah. Um, but yeah certainly not a model and neither was I <laughs> I was going to say, geez, what are the chances uh, two models sharing digs over at Tix? Um, finally, t- to wrap things up from my side, Lloyd, uh, what we've done is that uh, we're starting a one-question sports quiz as part of the Hockey 24-7 podcast, uh, and they're fairly toughies. So uh, it's just one question, but the answer is uh, not always straightforward. So I want to know from you, in which sporting movie did Chuck Norris play himself in 2004? Was it dodgeball? It was. Congratulations. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Yeah, completely. Well done. The first question and the first answer correct. Well done. Uh, One. That's good stat. Yes, look at that. Better than my my shooting on goal. That's for sure. Listen, we'll we'll, we'll get Justin Reed Ross on one of the, the future episodes and we'll make sure his question's more difficult so you can rub it in. Every time you chat, to yeah, him. yeah, it's always better having having the the reply, the the response <laughs> instead of. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chuck, on uh, behalf of uh, the Hockey Twenty Four Seven, on behalf of myself, uh, I want to say thank you for your brilliant service to hockey in this country. Um, you know, uh, you may be retired now from the international game, but you definitely are not forgotten. You created some great memories. There are many kids that play the game because of what they've seen you do. And uh, we wish you all the best for for the next two to twelve years in Germany. Um, <laughs> and danke schön und auf Wiedersehen. Ah, thank you, thank you, uh, Jabu. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the work that you've done for for Esther Hockey and just getting um, articles and uh, getting some hockey, just getting hockey in the spotlight. It's it's much needed. Um, and then obviously. To be able to now put it into a podcast and just to get uh, some uh, some some players to be able to just uh, give their views on on indoor outdoor hockey, what's happening behind the scenes from a physical psychological point of view. From every, yeah, just look even looking back on the memories that we've had. Yeah, it's, it's been a special um, journey that I've been on. It wouldn't change anything for the world, even the even the lows because. Yeah, the lows uh, certainly propel you to to greater heights, and yeah, I'm I've just uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the future, and yeah, I just want to thank you guys for for the the, the time and the effort that you're putting into this uh, in order to to get get, get hockey the the recognition recognition it deserves. 
Pleasure. Thanks so much, Lloyd. Pleasure chatting to you. And uh, yeah, best of luck for the future and, and kick ass in Germany. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Jabu, for everything. Cheers, Ciao. guys. Cheers.